Well, this morning, um, if you are at home and you have your Bible out or your phone, whatever, you're going to read along with, um, I encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, I want to talk to you about what's here on the screen, uh, what the cries of a fearless and faithful nation should be as we look at the situation we're in, not just in the United States, but in the world. I really want to encourage us as we've been going through this um, series on worship and prayer uh, that we begin to do that. We begin to cry out, we begin to pray um, for God to move in a mighty, mighty way. And so um, I really want us to spend some time looking at this today. I'm going to give you several different points here of things that we need to be crying out. We need to be praying. I would encourage you, write these down and even in the weeks to come, uh, be able to use them as a, a somewhat of a guideline in your prayers. Um, you know, so, so you can go back and look at these and these will give us some different ways to pray um, as we go to the Lord. And so um, I do want us to spend time looking at that. So let's first um, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I just want to read a few verses. I want to set something uh, up here for you uh, in the beginning. As many of you are, are very um, familiar with, 1 Samuel 17 deals with uh, the account of David and Goliath, uh, where David goes and fights Goliath, this giant who um, is massive and uh, of course, a, a great victory that David has over Goliath and uh, defeats him. And so we're going to be looking at that. Um, I want to set it up a little bit for you as, as we're about to read. As uh, the Philistines, this people who are a constant enemy of God's people, uh, were coming against the Israelites, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, coming against them. And they are... Uh, um, actually lining up for battle day after day. But what's happening uh, is they're really never fighting. Um, this giant Goliath, as we're going to see, is coming out every day and taunting um, the, the people of Israel. And no one really will do anything about it. And so we've got the Philistines, we've got the Israelites. They're lined up for battle. Um, these are two um, people groups that were constantly fighting. The Philistines constantly coming against Israel. God's people, it was a battle and a conflict that just continued uh, for years and years and years. And so let's pick up in verse 20, um, where David's father, Jesse, sends him to take some supplies to his brothers who were already at the front lines in this battle. So verse 20 says this, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. So he was a shepherd. He, he watched the flock, the sheep of his father typically, but in this instance, he leaves the flock in the care of a, another shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse, who was his father, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I want to stop and pray for us, and then we're going to jump in here. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that we can join our hearts together, even in different places, in worship and prayer. God, that we can hear your word, Lord, together. 
Father, I pray that this word would encourage and challenge and strengthen us, Lord, that it, this good seed, Lord, would find good soil in our hearts to um, be able to um, produce fruit in our lives, a fearlessness and a faithfulness to cry out to you and to continue to move in faith as your people, um, even in the face of adversity. So we give you praise and we give you thanks for everything in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna break down a little bit of, of this, even this title of this message uh, so that you get a better understanding of what I'm talking about. The first thing here that I wanna point out is that these are cries, these are prayers. Uh, but a cry is more than um, just a muttering of words or just kind of something where you're just saying a rote prayer. Um, what I mean by a cry is an urgent appeal to God, an earnest calling out to God, uh, literally a life and death plea for God to move. I was thinking about this and remembered when um, my oldest son, who's 17 now, when he was probably two or three years old, we, were, we left our house and we were going to splash in the borough. And as we're riding down 301, I'm coming south on 301 North, the guy in front of us just all of a sudden, the road curved to the right and he went straight. He goes off the, the, the embankment, down the hill, headed for huge pine trees. And in the middle of it, we're following behind and there was nothing I could do, nothing I could do to stop it, nothing I could do to help. And out of just somewhere, I just yelled out, Jesus! And amazingly, like the car goes down, misses all the trees and wedges between two big telephone poles that were holding up um, an advertisement sign down at the bottom of the hill. Um, and, and it was the only thing I could really do, right? Because I, I couldn't do anything else. I'm not saying that me hollering Jesus is what caused him. Probably didn't hurt. But what I'm telling you is it was a cry from my heart. It was a cry of desperation. There was nothing else I could do. So the point of it was, um, I was just crying out. We as people need to realize that we should be a people who are crying out to God consistently. We ought to realize this. We should realize that the world is in a place um, that we are helpless, not hopeless, but we, our hope is in him. And our hope is to cry out to him so that he would move in a mighty, mighty way. This virus that's going around, um, it should just confirm what we should have already known in the first place, that we have no control and are utterly dependent upon God, that we should turn our eyes to him and trust in him, not our own ability. My question would be this, does it really take a worldwide virus for us to realize that the world is in desperate need of a move of God? When I look at that, I'm like, if there weren't enough signs around us before, maybe the virus will at least open our eyes to see like we have no control ultimately that everything we have that we put so much hope in can be taken away in an instant and our only hope is really in God and Jesus who's made a way for us to be united with him in eternity. And so the good news for us as Christians is we may be helpless from the sense of being able to control everything, but we're not hopeless because of Christ. Second word up here, fearless. Cries of fearless, a fearless nation. It sounds kind of ironic that a fearless nation would have a cry because you would think there would be no fear, but being fearless is more about continuing in the face of adversity than, and danger than it is just doing what you ought to do when everything is sure. 
No one, listen, no one will say you're fearless unless you're doing something in the face of adversity that should have stopped you. So no one's gonna say you're fearless for doing something when there's nothing to make you afraid. For example, if you're sitting at home right now, dad, and you get up from your couch and watching this to walk to the kitchen to get the last piece of bacon from breakfast this morning, you eat it, come back and sit down. Your children are not gonna look at you and go, dad is fearless. Now, if you get up, walk to the kitchen to get the last piece of bacon from breakfast and you wrestle it away from an angry bear and eat it and come sit back down, that's fearless, right? That makes you fearless. So it's doing things in the face of adversity that should have kept you from moving forward. That is what fearlessness is, is moving forward. Here's a question. Would you say that the world is in a place today that the church needs to act in a fearless way? The next word there is faithful. Faithful meaning full of faith. But see, great faith doesn't mean that we never have uncertainty or doubts or fear. Great faith continues to do what God has told us to do, even in the midst of uncertainty, doubts, and fear. As I was getting this together and praying through it, I thought, well, people could very easily say, well, you weren't very full of faith when you canceled services today. But I tell you this, it'd been much more easy. It'd have been much easier for us just to have service. One, you don't face all the criticism of the Christian circle that says, well, you, you don't have faith or you have little faith or whatever. Two, um, you know, we come together and, and things are just normal, that nothing is out of the ordinary. It would have just been easier to say, let's just gather anyway. But at the end of the day, we had to do what we felt God was leading us to do. Faith is continuing forward to do what God leads you to do even in the midst of uncertainty or the possibility of criticism or whatever it might be, you continue to step forward and move in faith. A great example of this is Shane who went from our church and went to North Africa as a missionary. Do you think he might've had some uncertainty, some doubt, some fear? I know he did because I was meeting with him consistently, but he was faithful, he was full of faith. He continued in the face of it. I would say again, that the world's in a place that the church needs to rise up full of faith, fearlessly crying out to God for a move. The last one I wanna mention is nation. When I talk about nation here, I want you to understand I'm not talking about the United States of America. I'm talking about a different nation. I'm talking about God's people, his holy nation, the church. I wanna read this passage to you real quick. First Peter 2. And Peter takes this from some Old Testament passages. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The nation I'm talking about is the people of God. This nation that's not bound by geographical lines, um, and, and, and uh, boundaries that uh, we've drawn up, this nation that exists all around the world, united together in Christ. This is the nation that needs to be crying out fearlessly and faithfully to God to move in the world. I wanna get back now to 1 Samuel 17. 
want you to look at this and we read verses 20 through 24. The first cry that I want you to see is that we need to be crying out for a clarity of situation, of the situation that we are in. When we look at this, David saw the situation clearly. Um, God had sovereignly, listen, God had sovereignly and strategically got him in the right place at the right time to see what was happening. I wanna say this to the church. We need to see clearly the situation that we are in in the world and why God has strategically and sovereignly positioned us in the places that we are in. He has called us to be a light in darkness, to be able to speak truth um, in the midst of all kind of chaos, to be a peace in the storm. We, we have to realize that God's position is not to do this on Sunday morning alone. The, the problem and one of the biggest issues in the church today is we have solely depended on the Sunday morning service to be our Christian life when the bulk of our Christian life happens outside of Sunday morning. We have to realize that the Sunday morning meeting can't be the end all. We have been positioned strategically in the world, in our communities, in our nation to be a light in darkness, to share the love of Christ, to share the hope of Christ in times where things are uncertain. We need to be fearless. We need to be faithful to continue and ask God, God, give us clarity to see. Give us clarity to see our purpose and this place in time. The next one we see is, as, as we look at this, David strategically positioned by God's sovereign hand to see the battle, to see what was taking place. Verses 25 through 27 tell us this. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will give, also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. The second thing I would tell you we need to cry out for is right motivations. We need to cry out for right motivations. When we look at this, David's heart is to go and to be a part of, of, of helping the situation. If you go on down in verse 28, it says, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And so here David has pure motivations. Here David is wanting to do the right thing. And yet he is challenged. Um, people are coming at him to keep him from doing the right thing. And yet David has the right motivation. He wants to do something about these people who are defying the armies of the living God, who are taking literally God's glory um, and, and are trying to steal it from him through oppressing the people of God. And when you look at this, look at the contrast between David and the very his very own brother who was criticizing him. Look at the contrast between David and the Israelite army. If you back up again to verse 20, it tells us that early in the morning, David left the flock. He went uh, as he had been directed by his father. It said he reached the camp 
as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. But think about this. This has been going on day after day after day. They're running out there like they're shouting the war cry, like we're about to go to battle. We're about to defeat these enemies, but they're just going through the motions. They're the ones with the wrong motives. They're the ones not moving fearlessly. They're the ones not acting in faith. Yet David comes with a pure heart and a pure motive, and he's the one who ends up being uh, attacked. And so we need to have the right motivation. We need to come with a right heart, not just going through the motions, but a right heart. God, give us the right motivation. Am I doing what I do in life because of God's love for me? Am I doing this because God's love is compelling me? Is it the love of God and a burden for others? Or am I just going through the motions like the Israelites? I say the right things, do the right things. I'm going through the motions. And see, here's the truth of this. Going through the motions of attending on Sunday morning, it will not sustain you in adversity. Relationship with a living God, God who's working in our hearts, compelling us by his love, that's what sustains and motivates and moves us forward. Look at verse 26 again. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want you to see this. That the third one is, God, give us the ability to see the big picture. David saw something here that no one else saw. If you really look back at verse 25, the Israelites, they saw this as defiance against Israel. David in verse 26 sees this as defiance against the armies of the living God. This was not something that was just a physical battle. This was a battle that was much bigger. It was a spiritual battle that was taking place. And we need to be praying that we can see the battle we are in in the world in its proper context. It's much more about God advancing his kingdom and the spiritual battle that takes place and us as being a light in darkness than it is fighting any person or even a virus. This is about us seeing the bigger picture and what God's called us to and the purpose he's called us to accomplish. The next one, verses 28, uh, we read, go down to 29. So in 28, David gets attacked, criticized by his brother. Verse 29, now what have I done, said David? Can I, can't I even speak? He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. Something else we need to be praying and crying out to God for. God, give us thick skin, but give us a tender heart. David could have very easily been deterred. He could have very easily walked away. He could have very easily turned away from God's calling and purpose in his life. But he didn't. David had a tender heart towards God, but he was also able to have thick enough skin to continue to move in the face of criticism. I'll tell you this, as a church, as the people of God, the Bible is very clear. We will take criticism. We will take persecution. We need to be crying out for this same thing, that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, gives us thick skin, but that the criticism, the attacks, the persecution, the ridicule doesn't cause us to become hard-hearted. We can continue to move forward in the face of it. Uh, we face this throughout the history of our church, different things where we face criticism and personal attack and different things. We have to have a tender heart, but we also have to move forward with a thick enough skin, with enough trust in God 
with an identity secure in him that we can continue to move forward even in the face of this adversity. The next one, I would tell you, uh, beginning in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord will rescue, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. The next one is we need to pray and ask God, give us the ability to remember. In this, David is remembering the faithfulness of God when he was shepherding sheep and the lion and the bear would come and they would begin to try to attack and David would come against the lion and the bear. This was an intense dude, grabbing them by the hair, killing them. Um, and he saw the faithfulness of God in this. He saw the faithfulness of God in this. We need to be the same way. We need to pray, God, give us remembrance. God, uh, we reflect on your faithfulness in the past. It gives us hope and faith for the future, a fearlessness to move forward in the future. God, give us remembrance of your faithfulness, not just in our own life, but in the life of the church for um, 2,000 years. We've seen God's faithfulness. We've seen the truth of scripture that tells us that not even the gates of hell will come against his church will prevail against his church. And we see this, we've seen it. We need to remember that and continue to step fearlessly and in faith. When all of this started happening with this virus and different things and stuff started shutting down and, and nothing like this has ever happened in my lifetime. I don't know that anything like this has happened in most, any of our lifetimes, regardless of how long we've been alive. And I started thinking and kind of getting concerned even like what's going to happen to the church? What's, um, what, what's going to be of connection church? How's this going to shake out? What's going to happen? And then I, I stopped and I, I began to remember the last 11 years and, and the faithfulness God's shown just in the 11 years to us. I thought about how we started the church in the middle of an awful recession and yet God provided every single thing we needed to move forward through everything in numerous accounts, too many to mention, um, just obstacle after obstacle and thing after thing that could have stopped the, the, the work of God. We've seen God's hand be faithful. And because of that, I know God is gonna be faithful now to his people to continue moving forward. It may look different at times, but the church will prevail as we step fearlessly and faithfully we need to pray, God, give us remembrance of your faithfulness in our lives. The next one that comes out of verse 37, the last verse we just read that David said, the Lord, he rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine is we need to pray for humility. God, give us humility. God, help us to put you and us in its proper perspective. Help us to see your ability. Help us to see our ability in its proper perspective. Help us to see you, God, as God and us um, as not God. Help us to desire to be godly, but not to be God. 
and recognizing this, David in, in this whole passage of scripture, he wasn't trusting in his own ability. He, he had a desire to be godly, but he had no desire to be God. He knew the one he trusted in. In this humility, we as people, the people of God, we need to humble ourselves. We need to cry out for God's mercy. We need to repent of our own sin and our own disobedience and looking to our own ability in things and turn our eyes back to him. If nothing else, what a great opportunity now as things have shut down. It is amazing that when the NBA, the MLB, the XFL, if anybody watches that, soccer, uh, concerts, all of these things shut down. Isn't it amazing that when our idols get messed with, we lose our minds? We need to humble ourselves. And if nothing else during this time, recognize who God is and who we are, humble ourselves, cry out for mercy. God, have mercy on a rebellious nation, on a rebellious world that has turned its back on you and move by the power of your Holy Spirit to reveal yourself to us now that we have literally almost been forced to be still. The next one out of verse 38 and 39. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. We look at this. We need to be praying also that God gives us vision, that we pray this, God, give us the ability to see what is to be or what can be, not just what is. When we look at this, David saw his unique gifting. He also saw the situation and he knew God can do something to change this. God can do something to change this. It can be different. David saw his unique gifting and, and how it intertwined even with his experience. And Saul could only see things the way they'd always been done and the way they had been for day after day after day. There was no vision of a better future. There was, a no, there was no vision of what could be. And so many times as Christians who are filled with the very presence of God, we settle for what is instead of striving forward for what can be, what can be in our congregations, but even more, what can be in our community, our state, our nation, and the world. Why do we settle so easily for status quo when God desires so much more in the world around us. We need to cry out to God, God give us vision for what can be, what you want to be, what you desire, not just what is. And even if it means us doing things differently, God will do that. The next one is a fairly large section of scripture. I wanna read it all though. So, David tells him, I can't go in your armor. It just doesn't fit me. For some of us, listen, that may be a word for us right there, that we need to quit trying to be something else, fitting into someone else's clothes, fitting into their purpose. We need to embrace our own. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. 
He looked David over and saw that he was, a, more, was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, I'm a, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. David, again, not depending on himself. He knows the one that he represents. He knows the one going to battle. He said, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This is not like the children's story we typically hear. This is intense. In fact, when David goes back to Saul after the battle, he's got Goliath's head still in his hand. He says this day, he's, he's going to deliver me. I'm going to cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world. Listen, this is our purpose. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. The whole world will know that there is a God over the nation of his people, over his church, over his people as we move fearlessly and faithfully. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. When we look at this, the next one is that we need to pray and ask God, give us determination and faith to face obstacles. What's amazing about this is that David um, in this passage um, he's facing this huge obstacle, literally. David, as he began to go towards the fight, he didn't even have what he needed. It says he stopped and picked up the stones on the way. Yet he was moving courageously. And even in verse 48, it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. David didn't back away from the battle. He didn't back away from the obstacle. He moved towards the obstacle. He went after it. David ran to the battle. We need to be a people praying and crying out to God. God, give me determination and faith to face obstacles that are in our way to embrace adversity and move forward in your strength and your power. Listen to verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Another thing we need to be crying out for is God's blessing. See, here's the thing. David did this great feat, and it wasn't because of how great he was. It was because of how great his God is. The blessing of God is not some prosperity thing that we pray for and, and we claim it and we get a mansion and a car and all kinds of stuff. The blessing of God is his power, presence, and purpose in our life through the Holy Spirit. And this is what's happening with David. David acted fearlessly and faithfully because he knew the power and presence of God was with him to fulfill God's purpose. We should be a people who move the same way, that we, the church, act fearlessly and faithfully because we know the power and presence of God resides with us and in us to fulfill God's purpose in the earth, which is that the whole world would know that there is a God 
The last one, verse 51. Again, it says, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their, he Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim something road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. The last thing that I believe we need to cry out for, God, give us the ability to inspire, uh, inspire others to action. God, give us the ability to inspire others to action. David's actions inspired an entire nation to act courageously. I wanna tell you this, courageous action is contagious. As we begin to step fearlessly and in faith and we begin to cry out to God, God, would you move amongst us? We begin to have clarity of the situation that we're in. We begin to have God purify our hearts and we're compelled by his love with the right motivation. We begin to see the big picture of why we're here and what we're called to do and where the battle really lies. We begin to grow more secure in who we are so we have thick skin yet our heart is tender so we offer love and compassion. We continue to remember the faithfulness of God in the past. We humbly walk with him crying out for mercy, turning from our sin and trusting in him. We see a vision of what can be and what should be, what could be through the power of God. We begin to have determination and faith to face our obstacles, embracing adversity and pushing through in the strength of God. And we begin to realize the blessing of God is ours because his power, presence and purpose has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to step in those things, as God enables us, we will see too that courageous actions are contagious and others will begin to step courageously as well. So I wanna pray for us that this would be the cry of our heart, that we would walk in the power of God fearlessly and faithfully, that we would begin to cry out to him, that he would move in the earth and transform the earth to the glory of his name. Father, thank you for your truth and your word. Thank you for scripture that shows us, Lord, who we are and more importantly shows us who you are, Lord. God, I do pray that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would cry out for mercy and that you would move amongst us, Lord. Not because of a virus, because the virus hasn't changed our purpose and our call, but because of your great name, Lord that you would move in a mighty way so that all men, all women, all children of all races, of all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues would see your glory and that the earth would literally be filled with the glory of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen.